Welcome to Hot of the Cloud by Cloudonaut. We are your hosts, Andreas and Michael Wittig. Our weekly show is all about the latest AWS announcements and our recent experiences building with AWS. So Michael, this week we have um, had a deeper look into two announcements from AWS uh, from the past week or maybe a little bit before that as well. And um, so let's, uh, let's dive into them. So I looked um, this morning, I looked into an announcement. I think it was announced during reInvent and then there was another announcement this or last week about uh, that Fargate does now also support this feature. And this is about the um, ECS Service Connect. Um, so uh, what is this about? So um, the ECS Service Connect is basically another option <laughs> for building, a, you could call it a service mesh, um, or you could call it service discovery. So basically, it solves the issue of if you deploy multiple services on ECS and your containers, and they need to communicate with each other, how do you make that happen? So there are quite a few options, Michael. Do you, do you want to start uh, with some of them? So what are, what are the options that come to your mind right away? I think the ones that we use most often is either an application load balancer or... Um, I think we have support for app mesh in our mm -hmm. templates, but I, I actually haven't used it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you're, yeah, exactly. So I think the, the most obvious and the simplest approach, and I, I think it's also the, the, <laughs> the less typed one. So is to basically just use an internal load balancer. That's what you can do. So if you have an, a service, you add yep. an internal load balancer and only, um, services from the internal network from the VPC are able to access the load balancer. Um, so this is the, I would say, the old school way of doing so, but it's, uh, I would say, still still relevant. And then um, there's a huge naming confusion. So AWS has changed the name for this second option a few times. It is now called ECS Service Discovery, and it uses Cloud Map in the background. And <laughs> that's what we support in our Cloud Formation templates, Michael, by the way. Uh, yeah, that's uh, okay. very confusing. I, I, mean, I, I think I, as I yeah, AppMesh is cloud map. I think this was renamed as well, uh, right? So. I don't, no, I think AppMesh is just oh. the third option. No. This is another one. Okay. So service discovery is, is a very simple solution. And basically what it does is you configure it for an ECS service and it cloud map is nothing else. I would, I would say it's nothing else than an interface to add um, DNS records to a root 53 private hosted zone. Uh, so I think this is the most the simplest way to use uh, service discovery with cloud map. So basically, whenever a new container spins up, it adds a new record to DNS, and then you can just use DNS for service discovery and talk to the containers directly. Um, it's also possible to use cloud map uh, with an API. So there's an HTTP API that you could use and implement locally in your, or basically integrate into your application and do the service discovery internally in your application or, or whatever you want to use, a library or something. And then um, AWS announced AppMesh. I reviewed that uh, some time ago. And AppMesh is um, basically, it's the idea. Uh, so Envoy is a very popular um, net network mesh, container mesh, um, uh, open source project. And basically what AppMesh is doing is it's in service provided by AWS, integrating with uh, ECS and I think even EKS. And it, um, it, yeah, for Envoy, it basically is the, a backend for Envoy. And that's the, it's quite complicated to get up and running with that. So I tried it once during the review. It's very, a lot of resources that you need to configure. And it's, yeah, you can really fine granular configure the service mesh, actually. 
And now we have a, f uh, a fourth option, <laughs> which is the ACS service discovery. And that's what I uh, want to dive into uh, in more detail now. Um, so um, the service discovery, uh, ECS service discovery, basically combines two things uh, that we already have. It combines cloud map. So cloud map is still involved. <laughs> and um, then it deploys for you an Envoy container to each of your tasks automatically. So that's something we will talk about <laughs> in more detail later, uh, but that, I think that's a little uncommon. Um, but basically it also uses the Envoy um, uh, open source project to achieve uh, what it achieves. And basically what it does is it provides a service mesh. So uh, what does that mean? So you, you, you deploy service A to ECS and service B to ECS and then each container, each task running um, in your cluster can basically just by saying, uh, I want to uh, read service B, uh, it just um, gets automatically forwarded to one of the containers of service B. And it, this happens by routing the request through the Envoy container that runs as a sidecar. And basically what the Envoy container is doing, it, it um, updates itself based on the records that are stored in CloudMap and the ECS service updates the records there automatically. So whenever a new task mm -hmm. gets uh, registered or deregistered, the cloud map is um, the cloud map uh, namespace, what it's called, is updated automatically. And um, the or one important difference to what we had before the service discovery feature is that this does not require DNS anymore. So you do not you can use cloud map without DNS. So then it's basically just an HTTPS backend uh, for, for service discovery. And that's what we need here. And um, the advantage, the second advantage, I don't know if the advantage of not having to use DNS is, is such an issue, but okay, you don't need a DNS to do that anymore. Fine. Um, and the other um, benefit you get is you get standardized metrics and logs because what Envoy is doing as it routes all the requests, it collects metrics about those requests for outbound and even for outbound and inbound requests. So it knows how long did it take to talk to service B and stuff like that. So you can debug stuff like latency issues and, and things more easily in a distributed system. So that's basically the idea. And as all the services and all the containers use Envoy, they use the same logging format. They collect the same metrics. So you can get a standardized view over your service mesh and can monitor that more easily. So that's basically the idea um, behind that. Okay, um, so um, uh, important uh, thing to uh, note quite uh, at the beginning is that Service Connect works for inter-service communication only. So you cannot use that for um, connectivity coming out from the outside world. So it's not for um, connections from the internet or somewhere clients connecting from outside. It's just for the, the cluster communication inside your cluster. And then, <coughs> as I mentioned already, um, the service discovery deploys um, a container um, to your uh, task. So it adds another container to each task that the service starts. So this is a little strange, I would say because we don't have any control over that. Yeah, I see, Andreas. And what I, I'm not 100% sure if, if this is actually also kind of part of Service Connect, and I was kind of looking it up um, before. Uh, but what you could 
in theory also get or maybe they will add this i don't know if it's already there i can't find it anywhere so by that i think the trick is if you want to communicate with service b from service a you now make a request a request to your local envoy proxy and this also means that this local envoy proxy could for example um, implement the retry logic so if it can't reach service b um, like instance one it can then try with instance two or task two in this case and things like this and I'm not sure if that's implemented, but that's um, possible in theory. And this is, um, I think, where where things get get cool because then you can kind of remove logic from your application code because this is then all handled by the by the proxy. Um, and and you can also, as a, in theory, I don't know if they do it, but in theory, you could have like very strong authentication because the Envoy proxy knows the task, um, and you can get a identity document from the uh, ECS metadata service, and you can then sign your requests, basically. So the other side could could only accept requests, for example, from service A, but not from service C and things mm-hmm. like that. And, and then it gets very powerful, but I don't think that any of that is possible uh, at the moment. Uh, maybe you can correct at me. At least I haven't, I I haven't see seen it and it. I haven't read about it in <coughs> the documentation, so I don't think it's uh, available okay. yet. Yeah, but you're, you're right. That's what, what's possible in the future. Yeah, so... Basically, what I want to come back to this um, this task definition. So basically, they say ADRS says it's a feature that you do not need to modify the task definition uh, for the service. Mm-hmm. That they just add that automatically <laughs> when you when you launch the task. And basically, the Envoy container gets the leftover resources that you have not assigned to another container in the task. <laughs> so basically, that's how it works. And I think this is a little strange. What happens? So I think there, then there's no real guarantee that these resources are available as far as I understand. Um, so, yeah, this, this is kind of shared resources that this Envoy container is then using. You really cannot um, specify this uh, mm-hmm. directly to this task or you have to kill the other containers if they consume more than what you have <laughs> uh, intended for them. So I think there's always a hard and a soft limit for both CPU and memory, as far as I um, know. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, this is a little um, a little strange, but that's but how it works. I think like the concept is, is very similar to what you can do with Kubernetes. So you can inject containers, basically, mm-hmm. into tasks, or into, I, don't, I mean, they don't call mm-hmm. it tasks, but, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, Okay, if you want to have full control, you you better configure your task definition probably, and things are mm. working. But this is, I think, more for people that are a little bit. I mean, people who don't want to configure it everywhere, they just enable the feature, and then boom, mm. it works. Um, and this is, I yeah, uh, I mean, it's always. I mean, if you if you, it's implicit versus mm. the explicit, right? So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I like to be uh, kind of write everything down in my task definition, but other mm. people don't, so. I think for them, it's 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 definitely more convenient to use it um, compared to what we had mm, before. Okay, okay, yeah, I agree. Um, so and then, um, yeah. So as um, so, the strange thing about this feature is, it is a feature part of ECS, but then it runs inside your container, basically on your infrastructure. And as always, I'm not yeah. the biggest fan of those kinds of obvious <laughs> features because they mix. Uh, the responsibility. So when when things are not working, and I open a support ticket, <laughs> so how will that work out? <laughs> That's what I'm always <laughs> a little skeptical about because uh, I assume that as you know, support cannot look into my container then, and they cannot really debug the issue. And I can I don't know nothing about how they configure it. So 
um, finding an issue there, debugging an issue there is probably quite um, complicated. And so I don't like the overall concept here, but that's uh, how it is. Yeah. And yeah, so um, this morning I, I played around with the feature a little bit. So I think what is definitely a, a good thing about the new feature is it's very easy to use it. So compared to um, uh, when I remember the first time I tried AWS App Mesh, this was really a lot of resources that you had to create, a lot of things you had to configure uh, and get right. And with uh, service discovery, it's quite simple to, to, to use that. So basically, um, so I, I reused our um, CloudFormation template for uh, Fargate with CloudMap. And, uh, and I reused that for Service Connect. And I basically had to... Exchange, uh, change a few lines in our CloudFormation template to, to get that up and running. And mm -hmm. uh, what I get is basically the benefit of Envoy with uh, the standardized monitoring and um, I don't need to, re to rely on DNS anymore. So that's what I get out of the box with a very uh, simple setup. So I think compared to, if you look for a simple solution and um, um, I think um, the service Connect is probably a good choice compared to service discovery and app mesh, uh, which is quite complicated, and service discovery, which is relying on DNS and maybe a little um, outdated those days, I would say. Okay. Um, but when I played around with it, um, <laughs> actually, I tried to find uh, the promised standardized metrics and logs. <laughs> so, and it turns out, <laughs> um, I found some of the CloudWatch metrics um, so you, yeah, what I found is the server side, basically, or the service side, I see number of incoming requests, latency, error codes, stuff like that. So that worked. Um, what I couldn't find, what didn't show up for me, I don't know why, actually, uh, I couldn't find the outgoing um, metrics. So for the requests uh, outgoing of a service to another service, mm, I don't know. This just uh, was not showing up for me. I don't, I can't see why. <laughs> And then the logs, the Envoy logs. So I could find logs from Envoy when basically the Envoy, Envoy container was starting, but I expected that I also could see access logs. So basically the, the, the requests in the logs and that is, is in, at least in my setup, not the case. So I just get uh, Envoy was starting the configuration of Envoy, but I couldn't find any access logs from the requests that are going through Envoy, which I expected for debugging purposes. Um, yeah, so I don't know um, whether this is um, because the service is not working as expected or because of a misconfiguration. Uh, I could not find anything in the documentation that helped uh, to solve that issue. Um, so let's see uh, But this is going to. Yeah, so that's, so that's okay, basically Andreas. it. All right, so the one that I picked is um, a announcement from the last week actually so it's not from reinvent um, and it's a very tiny thing um, but it uh, kind of touches something we talked about before here in the podcast or in the show um, the announcement is that amazon ec2 auto scaling now supports metric math for target tracking policies so what is a tracking policy or a target tracking policy um, you have multiple options to auto scale and auto scaling group so uh, at the beginning there was the way to basically when a CloudWatch alarm goes off you can increase the number of instances or decrease it by an absolute or by a relative number so that was the very simple first approach um, and then they added um, step scaling they added um, target tracking policies where you basically define okay i want to have 
this system to optimize my utilization based on this metric. So for example, you could say, okay, my CPU utilization of this autoscaling group should be on average, like on average per host, per instance, should be 60%. And then what target tracking does, it, it adds and removes instances to kind of achieve the goal of 60%. And so you don't no longer need to define the thresholds when to add something or to remove something, you just define the like the goal. Okay, this is where you should optimize for. And this makes things much easier, actually, because you don't have to figure out the thresholds. Um, and what they implemented was that they had a very, I would say, um, short list of, 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 of uh, metrics that they supported. So, for example, there was CPU utilization, I think it was network utilization, and um, I don't know, there was something else for EC2. And then they had for application load balancers, they had a metric for um, request count per target. So they, those were the, the built-in metrics. And when I say built, and this is basically a CloudWatch metric. So it, it just looks for CloudWatch metrics and that you could use for target tracking. And what they then added was custom metrics. So you could specify custom metric, but it was like a single metric. So you had to, in most cases, this was like a metric that you have to publish in uh, on your own. Um, and now what basically the new thing is that you can uh, use metric math to calculate this metric that is then used for target tracking which kind of um, gives you more possibilities without publishing your own metric, which is, I mean, you have to write the code and execute it somewhere, maybe on Lambda or something. I mean, it's a lot of work for basically um, a very little uh, difference uh, that you make. Um, so what I did, and also that's the use case this AWS actually describes as um, the, 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 the standard use case for this new feature, is that you can now read the, like if you have an SQS um based system where you have workers that consume messages and you want to increase number of workers when a lot of messages are in the queue and decrease when there are not so many messages in the queue. And what you can now do with metric math is you, you get a metric for the number of visible, like approximate number of uh, visible messages in the queue. And then you need a second metric. Okay, how many workers do you have running? And if you use autoscaling group, you can configure it in a way that it publishes, the, for example, the healthy, uh, healthy instances as a metric. So you can use the healthy instances metric. So you can then divide number of messages by healthy instances. And this basically is then the um, queue length per worker. And then you can use this as the target tracking metric. So in fact, you can say, okay, I want uh, on average that each uh, worker has only 10 messages in the queue, like for example. And, and that's kind of the use case here. Um, one important thing, if you select the metric, I mean, you cannot just use any metric. The metric that you select must be a utilization metric um, and it must kind of indicate the utilization of an instance. So a couple of examples that are not working is for example, latency um, and, and for example, age of, age of the oldest message. So if you add a new instance to the pool, the age of the oldest message doesn't change. So basically what the metric has to, the, the metric needs to be influenced by the number of workers that you have basically. So that's important. And so there are actually not so many use cases where this is the case. So I, I was not able to come up with a good uh, example. So I was like, the, I, the ALB was a good one, but then I saw that's already supported by the old way of, of doing it. Uh, and I, I wasn't able to come up with something else. But SQS is a perfect um, example. And yeah, that's kind of it. A couple of things then uh, that I kind of figure out when trying this out. Uh, because we have uh, Bucket AV, which is the S3 antivirus solution. It's SQS based and it uses EC2 to scan the files. And what we have at the moment is a so-called step scaling policy. So for example, when there are 
not so many messages in the queue, we add one instance. When there are many messages in the queue, we add 10, for example. I mean, it's a little bit more uh, complicated um, than this, but this is an example for two different steps. So the more messages we have, the more aggressive we basically scale out. And so this is very important for people that run, for example, a weekly scan. So then within a couple of minutes, they add lots of, lots of, lots of messages to the queue. And with this aggressive scale out strategy, we can make sure that we then, like within a couple of minutes, really scale up the fleet significantly. And what I was trying to do is I want to kind of get rid of those um, um, logic because those limits are actually not so easy to find. And also, I mean, there's basically no way to make this work for all kinds of workloads because... Some people want to optimize for um, for this, others optimize for this. So, for example, some people want to have very, very low latency when they upload a file until it's scanned, while others want to um, maximize the utilization of the fleet and things like that. So it's a little bit hard to have kind of one-size-fits-all uh, one solution. And I was hoping that this new target tracking possibility helps us a little bit to kind of find the sweet spot here. Or at least then we can say, okay, this is, this is target tracking by AWS, so it's... It's it's magic and and this is how it works. Yeah, so it 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 kind of helps us a little bit to kind of um, um, solve that problem. Um, and what it what 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 I was stumbling into was a couple of things. So first, if one of your metrics goes to um, or is not published, and this is um, as far as I can see, um, the case for um, Autoscaling groups with zero instances. So if there are no instances in the autoscaling group, there is not a zero published. That's the number like the number zero. There's just nothing published to the metrics. And then you have no data. And if you have no data, then the alarm flips into insufficient data state. And if it's in an insufficient data state, it doesn't, it, it, there, it, nothing happens, basically. It doesn't scale in, it doesn't scale out, nothing happens. So that's not cool. But with metric math, you can solve the problem. So you can say, okay, if there is no data, you can fill it with a zero, for example. So there's a fill function. So I use the fill function and then I always have like a zero, a zero line in my, in my graph. So that was the first kind of thing I, I was running into. And then the other thing was because I divide like number of messages by number of workers, right? But we scale down to zero. So I have to divide by zero problem. <laughs> so um, if I divide by zero, there's no, 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 no number where it's published. It's like, um, I think it, it's none in, in, in not a number in CloudWatch as well. But this doesn't trigger the scaling. So I had to make sure that if the, the value is actually zero, then please divide by one. <laughs> because otherwise, I've, I'm not able to kind of launch the first instance. Um, so this was the second thing I was running into. And yeah, so there's also a function for that in, in, in CloudWatch metric you There's an if function. So you can basically say if your metric is zero, then um, yeah, the value should be one. Otherwise, take the value. Um, so I used the if function here. So the fill function and the if function was uh, important. And then I was running into another issue. <laughs> so the third issue was that I want to kind of, my target should be the queue is empty. So I want to have the value zero as my target. But if I enter the um, value zero, I get an error that uh, the value is invalid. And then it, it, it prints me the boundaries and it's a very, very low number and a very, very high number. Um, but not zero. It's like very, very close to zero, um, but not zero. So zero doesn't seem to be supported. I don't know. Um, so I used then 0 0.0001 as my target value when it worked. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good approach or not. Um, and the last issue, and I uh, was running into this as well, is there is no support either in the UI or in CloudFormation to use the feature. So what you can do is you can use the CLI to use it. <laughs> and so that's the only way to kind of make use of it at the moment. So 
The good news is it actually works. Um, so as expected, um, when I add um, messages to my queue, instances are launched, and when I, all of them are kind of processed, instances are terminated. Um, so it, it seems to work um, actually quite good. So I still have to do some like very heavy tests where, where like many messages are added at the same time and things like this. So I'm not completely done with my tests, but the, the tests that I, I, I did are where actually looked very promising. And yeah, what I definitely have to do to kind of before we can roll this out and show us wait for cloud formation mm -hmm. support. And once it is uh, available, I think we can just switch. It's like one, li one last thing, Andreas, sorry for that. <laughs> um, I was also hoping to get rid of the CloudWatch alarms. Mm -hmm. Because like we get many support requests where customers just tell us, okay, we can see an alarm in the CloudWatch UI that, that says here something is wrong, it's in alarm state. Because the, the customer doesn't tick the uh, kind of hide auto-scaling uh, mm. alarms. And, and then they kind of are afraid that this is actually something very wrong with the system, but it's just the auto-scaling <laughs> alert. And it's not bad, it actually just says, okay, do the scaling or don't mm. do the scaling. And I was hoping to get rid of this, but it turns out that target tracking does nothing else than add two CloudWatch alarms into the yeah. <laughs> and they are visible. So um, yeah, I, so they are still there after that change. Um, I'm not very happy about that actually, um, but yeah. And the, the big problem is that you can actually mess around with them manually. So if, if someone kind of make just manual, manual change to them, then I, the, the documentation says don't change them manually, but I don't know what happens if you actually do it, if they reset it or mm. something. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. not cool. I mean, I, I really, as you said before, I mean, I don't like all that stuff that AWS just, <laughs> my, why do they do this in my account and let me see it? I mean, do do it, but don't show it to anyone and make sure that no one can edit it. And then they, ah, I'm, I'm really annoyed by those kind yeah. of things. Um, it's so, it's really not necessary. I mean, they could just do it properly. Probably, so just implement yeah, it probably properly. Probably the, the easier <laughs> way to implement it. And then. Yeah, but it's really, yeah. I mean, if you can just make it kind of break it yeah. by... I mean, if, if people don't know what target tracking is, they just go there and change it, and then it's kind mm. of broken. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's shit. True. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but yeah, but still, okay, this is a feature sorry. that we could um, <clears throat> use in the future when CloudFormation ports support, Yeah, right? we can use it. Um, I, I definitely would like to use it as, as soon as we have CloudFormation support. True. So. Okay, so those were the two um, announcements um, that we found interesting um, this week. Um, next, here's a message from our partners. Are you looking for a new job? Um, AWS expertise is in high demand. Our partner TechRacer is hiring cloud consultants focusing on machine learning and analytics. So you should apply when you enjoy extracting insights out of huge amounts of data with services like Athena, EMR, SageMaker, or all the other um, analytics and ML uh, services from AWS. Join TechRacer in Hanover, Duisburg, Frankfurt, Hamburg, Munich, Vienna, Lisbon, and Lucerne. And also, our partner Demikon is looking for a senior lead cloud consultant solution architect, AWS, working remotely from Germany or the EU. Are you into infrastructure as code with Terraform and containers with EKS or ECS? Um, then this is for you. Demican is one of the largest technical consulting teams and leading Atlassian full services providers in Germany. Become a part of their new team that is basically focusing on cloud technologies only. So they're building a new business unit and you can be a uh, part of that when applying. You will find links to both job descriptions in the show notes. So if that sounds interesting, apply today. 
um, this is a good time of the year uh, to look for uh, new um, possibilities out there. All right, Andreas, that sounds great. Um, I have one lesson learned. I don't know. Uh, do we have time to do that? Or sure, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I mentioned in the pre-show that I worked on a feature for Marvel that basically, I mean, in a nutshell, it runs Terraform Apply every six hours. Um, and I used the new event bridge scheduler to kind of fire every six hours. So whenever a customer enables the feature, we create a schedule for this customer and we create an actually uh, what is called a fixed rate schedule. So this is um, if you like use the event bridge before, this is where you say rate and then, um, for example, one hour or in my case, I say rate six hours. So this basically, I, I'm not interested in the exact hour, exact minute. I just like every six hours do it. So I don't care about um, what the exact like time uh, actually it, it runs. And I was kind of a little bit surprised when I first created the schedule, it immediately hit the target. So when I, when you basically, when you create it, it hits the target. And then after six hours, six hours, it hits it again. So I was not 100% expecting that behavior actually. Um, but it, it turns out that for us, this is pretty cool because um, Andreas, I, I haven't told you that, but this is how I implement, like if, if someone enables the feature, this, this is how I implement that we run Terraform apply immediately when mm -hmm. they create it. It's just kind of out of the box by schedule, or this is how it works. <laughs> but I was confused. Uh, I, I, this was not what I expected. Um, so I raised an AWS support ticket because I, like by reading the docs, it's, I mean, it's not really clearly mentioned. I mean, it's, if mm -hmm. you know that this is how it works, you can mm -hmm. kind of, I mean, you could, okay, maybe mm -hmm. it's in the docs, mm -hmm. maybe not. I, it's not, it's not clear. So I opened the support ticket and I really, I, I asked them if, if I can rely on that behavior. And they told me, yes, I can rely okay. on the behavior. Which is cool. So, um, so keep that in mind. If you have a fixed rate scheduler, it will trigger immediately after mm -hmm. creation, and then every six hours after. And basically. in our case, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. and then basically it follows the the, the schedule or the rate. Yeah, after mm -hmm. that, yeah. that makes sense. Okay, very interesting. That's it. That's what I learned. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So thanks a lot um, for listening. This was Hot of the Cloud episode um, number ten. Um, we will be back probably next week, hopefully, Michael. <laughs> we haven't discussed that yet, but yep. yeah, let's do it. Subscribe to your newsletter, uh, podcast, or YouTube channel to make sure you're not missing the upcoming shows. And also, we want to thank our supporters who make this show possible. So um, please consider supporting our work as well with a recurring or one-time donation. You will find details and links to all of that in the show notes. Thanks a lot for your attention. Bye. Thank you. Bye.